the Advanced Sports Analytics Podcast. I'm here with Stuart Gibson. We're going to look at tonight's five-game slate. They are not playing the 8 o'clock game on Superdraft. We're going to start with Memphis and Dallas at 8.30. So a, a tidy slate. And um, I don't think it's going to be too news-intensive. What, what do you think, Stuart? Yeah, I mean, the Porzingis uh, news, I think, will be pretty crucial. Um, you know, if if he's out, obviously monitoring that and understanding kind of where the value will go with that injury. And if he's in, uh, trying to understand or project if there's any uh, minute limitations that he might have. Uh, Hero is questionable. That would figure to be a, I think, pretty significant injury that would, I, I probably would be more interested rather than, and like Superdraft format doesn't tend to reward like fringe players who get more minutes I think the value from my observation has been that injury value flows to regular starters who could be projected for a higher use role so looking at like Butler out of bio uh, would be guys to keep an eye on uh, Horford out so could be uh, you know Roby or even Mike Muscala could be in play um, yeah those I think are kind of the key injuries to keep an eye on um, Horford, Horford is known out. So really it's just Hero and Przingis, the kind of questionable players um, to keep an eye on for injury news. So today let's, let's start big picture and talk about the, the stars of the slate and uh, who we like projection wise. So um, the industry is not super high on Westbrook. We're pretty high on Westbrook. What, um, What's your feeling about that game? And what's your feeling about LeBron? He, um, for many years, was a, an auto play at any price with Davis out. He has been an okay play with Davis out. Um, tonight, Kuzma is uh, probably 90% to play. If, if he drops, LeBron would be an auto play. Um, but Schroeder is out as well. It's, uh, it seems like LeBron is a very, very strong play tonight. What are, what are your overall views on LeBron and Westbrook? Yeah, so uh, Westbrook's just a guy who projects for a ton of minutes. Um, you know, and I think that's, you know, minutes, minutes are good. And uh, I think there's just like high kind of floor there with Westbrook. Um, unfortunately kind of, uh, Los Angeles is a bit of a pace down team. Um, so, you know, we think maybe they would be slowing, uh, Washington down a good bit. Um, that is, I think one area for concern, Washington is super up-tempo, uh, team, but, uh, still, I think figures to be kind of one of the quicker games on the slate, uh, given, uh, kind of where we would expect them to meet in the middle. Um, I mean, LeBron, it's been interesting. Like his, uh, his usage has been kind of spiky with Davis out. Like the first game that Davis was out wasn't really a massive usage game for LeBron, 32.5%. And then he had this first game, and, and Schroeder was really the guy who had the big usage bump uh, in that first game with Davis out. And then with Schroeder out against Brooklyn and Davis as well, 
you know, a massive nearly 40% usage game for LeBron. And then uh, their most recent game against Miami, Schroeder and Davis out. Uh, LeBron was at nearly 34% usage. So, I mean, the trend, I guess, is climbing. Um, you know, I, I think after that first uh, game that Davis missed with not as big of an increase in usage as I would have expected, it was a little concerning. But uh, now that Schroeder has gone out, it does seem that uh, maybe that injury more so than the Davis injury uh, has really resulted in a LeBron uptick in usage. Um, you know, I think in general, I'm in favor of these plays where we have mismatched uh, pace teams and going on the side of the slow team that is going to be paced up by their opponent, as opposed to the fast side who's going to be paced down by their slow opponent. Probably the preferred way to go, in my opinion. Um, does that logic seem to make sense to you and um, be more or less in line with kind of that thinking? Yeah, I'm there. I, I'm locking in LeBron a bit tonight. Um, but I do think it's an interesting discussion among the stars tonight across all sites. Um, what do you think about uh, Luca? He seems to be the highest total of the night. Porzingis coming off injury. He seems yeah. to be a monster game as well. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I think, tough with the 1x multiplier. You know, we had our show with Osmo last week, and, I, you know, I think he pointed out for, for tournament considerations, like, it is can be tough for the 1x guys to be, you know, super core pieces to a tournament-winning lineup. I will say, you know, given that it's a bit of a smaller slate than, you know, we had last Friday and kind of we typically see on Mondays, I do think it does open up a little more uh, optionality for these low multiplier players, but I think my preference would be, and our projections seem to prefer LeBron. Um, you know, I think that's where probably I would I would prefer to go with uh, you know one of these low multiplier guys. How do you uh, see center tonight? I've been I've been watching a fair number of games lately, and I love to play. Aiden, mm -hmm. he can just light up a box score in, in good times. But I have to confess, it's been quite a while since I've won with him. And, and watching him play is an exercise in frustration. I can't pinpoint what it is, but the, the effort level is not good right now. Yeah. I, I guess I haven't, I haven't been watching uh, closely. Um, he is a guy that frequently is towards the top of our projections, but hasn't been or, or isn't tonight. Um, I mean, keeping an eye on Porzingis's uh, news and understanding if there's any reason to suspect he'll be on some sort of minutes limit, I think uh, could be important because, you know, when he is fully healthy, I mean, he does kind of approach – you know, 34 minutes, uh, you know, in the kind of low to mid 30s. And um, he's quite efficient player, provides uh, three point and block uh, upside, which I think both are and double double upside. You know, these are kind of categories that are rewarded on super draft disproportionately to some of the other sites. Um, so I think he's a guy to keep an eye on specifically his minutes. You know, right now we have him at 34 minutes, which 
might be a touch high. I'd be interested to see kind of how his projection moves if we scale that down a little bit. I think there's maybe some reason to be conservative in projecting his minutes, given that he's, if he does play tonight, would be coming back from an injury. Um, you know, Memphis and Dallas both kind of neutrally paced teams. Um, but in general, there, there are kind of some slow teams on the slate uh, tonight. You know, Charlotte, Miami, Portland and Phoenix, Los Angeles. So, I mean, just having two average pace teams uh, relative to the rest of the slate is actually, I wouldn't say a pace up spot, but less of a pace down spot than, you know, many of the other games. Mentioned the hero injury to keep an eye on. I think if hero is ruled out, uh, could be a good spot for uh, Adebayo. Um, Oklahoma City is a pace-up spot, so it is kind of a, a game where we might expect Miami to play at a pace a little bit above what their norm is, and then you also drop out a high-usage guy like Hero from the starting rotation. Seems to be good indicators for Adebayo at center. Um, Gobert is a guy we we – are typically pretty high on in projections has, you know, really good block upside. Um, he would be another center to look at. And, um, you know, if we're kind of focusing on true, uh, you know, center only centers, I think would be a good option there. Um, so I think those are some front court guys to, to keep an eye on. Yeah. On super draft, we've, chatted before about the idea that center is strategically important because you only have one center position so if you get a little bit different there a lot of times you can distinguish your your lineup um do you see any interesting uh pivots i'll, I'll say for to my eye i do like the the guys that are center only eligible because then um with their ownership not spread out on forwards, uh, you you can really make your lineup distinctive. Um, I think if we do earn Porzingis is out or on a minutes limit, Cauley Stein at 1.9 would be a good one. I, I don't think he'll be uh, an especially strong play. Like I don't think he'll be super, super popular. I might be wrong about that, but he would, he would be uh, a great tournament play for sure. Do you think he would get closer to like if Porzingis was just out, maybe he would become the top play for sure. Um, yeah, not not entirely sure. Um, it's unfortunate that Roby doesn't carry a center eligibility because you know I think he will be the uh, will be a guy that people kind of key on due to injury uh, like value add. But you know, a power forward he doesn't really prevent anyone from playing Collie Stein. Um, that's I a hypothetical. I, I mean, yeah. I do think his plays and has has enough minutes where he's not in play. Um, we're we're high on Olenek at ASA. Um, one point seven five. He does have some interesting tournament distributions. Um, I don't know. That's somewhat compelling. Again, it's forward end center eligible. But uh, it could be a reasonable punt. And then, Harold, what do you think? Punt worthy at 1.65? Yeah, I actually think I'd prefer Harold to, um, to Olenek, uh slightly less uh, in kind of the multiplier camp. But um, I think 
probably just projects raw a little better. And, you know, his, I think, post multiplier projection is a good, we have it as a decent bit better than a Linux. Um, so that I think would be the preferred route uh, for me. So uh, then, so then uh, Cantor, JVal, and Aiton, because they're all strictly center eligible, they would all be good tournament plays, even though they're they're not going to come at the top of projections. Um, but I think we can agree that those three are are all good tournament plays. Yeah, I mean, I think they certainly will be differentiating, and I think maybe. Uh ownership will be a bit lower on them as people, you know, uh, like JVal and Cantor have really come down in multiplier in the last couple of weeks. And uh, I could see there being a significant kind of price sensitivity to uh, those multiplier reductions. And um, yeah, while they don't, because of that reduction, they're not coming in as high on projections as, you know, they have in the past, uh, would seem that they're strong you know, tournament plays. I, I would guess Gobert will probably be the preferred center. He, I think, tends to garner uh, a lot of popularity at center and, you know, center only eligible. Um, so these guys would be kind of uh, higher multiplier, lower raw, uh, but, you know, do have access to pretty decent ceilings. Um, so, yeah, I think think could be good options, even though I'm not so sure that they project quite as favorably as some of the other centers. Um, they, they would figure to go uh, kind of less owned than guys like Aiton or Gobert. So currently on our optimals, we have Porzingis as a lock, although you and I mentioned pre-show, we're gonna take a close look at those minutes. We might take some minutes off. And then of course, monitor news. We have him as sort of a lock at the power forward center position. Um, but again, we'll adjust that as news comes in, and we might be a little heavy on the minutes anyway. Um, Gobert, we have in 65% of optimals, even though he is center-only eligible. So that's a pretty strong statement. And then um, we like Bam, and we'll like him a good bit more. If, if Hero's out. out. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, one, one group to pay attention to and – try to avoid is lineups that have both Butler and Bam. Uh, their multipliers aren't huge and, you know, the game is a pretty low uh, total. So, you know, trying to avoid getting too many, uh, you know, pieces from that Miami side, even if Hero is out is something I think to keep an eye on um, that, you know, is something that jumps out to me trying to go at least for tournament lineups, you know, either Bam or Butler, but not both. Yeah, I like that. Um, and we've mentioned before on, on other sites, it does pay to uh, take your chances on, on overtime. I'm blanking on the stats right now, but I think basically overtime is, it's like if you run simulations, it should happen about two, 2% of the time, and it actually happens uh, like 5.5% of the time. Does that sound about right to you? It, it happens like um, pretty often. Yeah. And on um, on other sites, they really reward you for those times when you hit overtime. And 
it does it does make a difference in your lineup for super draft but the fact that you cap your upside by playing multiple stars in the same game tends to dominate and so it's usually not a great a great play um but you know you could if you did if you did sprinkle and you played Shea and Bam and Butler in the same lineup, it is a huge, a huge edge if you happen to go OT. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it looks like it's a, it's about it's a, it's about six percent. It's uh, it's actually just over six percent in kind of a long sample. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously, if you threw out your high spread games, I'm sure it would be even. A bigger number um and that's significant i mean if you're playing value guys on other sites uh it's a huge edge if you happen to go over time and it's certainly something that should be considered in the line of construction and it's something that can be considered on super draft but you just have to weigh it against the fact that uh you're capping upside by playing guys like butler and out of bio together yeah, would it would it would figure on kind of a small slate? There's potentially more value in an overtime game as like, you know, on a massive slate, like even a guy with five extra minutes still has a lot of other players to have to beat out to you know be in the optimal lineup. But with only five games, uh, you know, you are just at such a big advantage. I mean, none of these games are super tight in terms of spread right now. Um, I'm seeing Miami OKC at seven and a half, Dallas Memphis at five and a half. Um, I don't know. To, to me, it does, they don't seem like ideal games for trying to target overtime. But um, yeah, I don't know. Just just my kind of thinking there. So it's worth noting that relative to the industry, we're super high on Donovan Mitchell in our in our podcast with Awesome. I was noting that I. I love Donovan Mitchell for super draft because he peppers the box score and it's super valuable when you get those steal and blocks games. Um, and he has a nice distribution of outcomes for tournaments. Um, we have him in 85% of optimal, so we're super high on him. And I, I kind of like that as a tournament play. I, we're much higher than him on the industry. So, so I do not think he's going to be popular, and he's a decent pairing with um, Lamelo Ball. If you were high on him, we're not high on him. Um, it's interesting in the industry; they um, they bumped Rogier a good bit. We have not. We don't like Lamelo or Rogier, but um, they seem to have bumped him up based on the last game that was the last game right the one Rogier went kind of nuts in um, um yeah wow. i think lamella disappointed and Rogier had like 45 FanDuel points or something yeah i mean it was like last game was a bit of a usage dip for lamella i mean i think that the, the thing with mitchell that's interesting and we only have one data point since conley has returned but i think the uh fear with Mitchell was that once Conley came back, uh, you know, Mitchell would lose some ball handling duties, some assist equity, and, you know, just overall usage to Conley. Uh, first game back, 
first game with Conley back since his absence, you know, Mitchell logged the 43% usage rate. Um, you know, usage can be spiky uh, a bit, you know, game over game, but um, I think it is noteworthy that in the return of Conley, uh, there wasn't like a big, um, you know, dip in Mitchell's usage. So, uh, you know, if we, if we were, if we expect him in that kind of metric to regress, um, maybe some, some reason for concern, but uh, at least in the one game sample, you know, he was just doing still a ton of uh, ball handling and, and, you know, kind of the most active player in that Utah offense. So um, I don't know. I think our projection approach has, is typically, um, you know, until proven otherwise, um, you know, be, be a bit aggressive in some of these usage projections for players who have a teammate returning from injury. So uh, be interesting to see how that plays out tonight. What would be your intuition? So Doncic is guard and forward eligible. Mm -hmm. um, the forward, the forward spot is a strong spot tonight because you have Kuzma at 1.7 multiple, which is a little rich. Um, so he'll be somewhat popular. You have Adebayo is a great play at 1.35. Porzingis, 1.45. Great play if he's not limited. Um, so Doncic is more in play on the guard side. Um, what do you see as his probability of being a, a top three player at the guard spot? No. Well, um, I don't know. His, his multiplied projection is coming in uh, a couple points underneath some of the top guards like Booker, Mitchell, Shea. I mean, LeBron even has guard eligibility. Um, so what we have him as the fifth highest projected guard. Um, I don't know. To me, it seems like maybe 20 to 40 percent, um, something like that. Um, I would expect his ownership to. I mean, probably I know that's like a wide, a wide range, but um, yeah, I don't know. I'd, I'd estimate like 20, 20, 40 percent. Maybe on the low. Maybe. Yeah, I'm right. I'm right there. And that's I, I would have it a little higher personally. Um, okay. Uh, well, maybe around around forty sounds. Yeah, forty for me, forty to even fifty in that range. Um, I would be a little bit aggressive on him, but okay, that's just me. And we 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 have him in twenty five percent of optimals right now, but that that might change as we address, uh, adjust Porzingis and Hero. We we had a great. Um, strategy discussion with Osimo and we we got into talking a little bit about thinking in terms of the probability that say a guard finishes in the top three since super draft is so different than than FanDuel or DraftKings where um, playing one star on FanDuel say precludes you from playing other stars or at least lessens the chance that you can play other stars on 
on Superdraft, it really is a reasonable heuristic to think about what your subjective probability assessment is that a certain player finishes in the top three of his position and then playing him at roughly that weight in your tournament lineups. I do think that you would do quite well using that heuristic. Um, and what you would find is that basically because Superdraft is in its infancy now and people are using a lot of optimizers, the optimizers are crowding them into the best plays projection wise. And so those players are used at too high of a frequency relative to their probability of coming into the top three. And um, I think you can, you can do well by just really thinking for each player that's sort of, sort of in play, what is the probability that they finish in the top three and play them with about that frequency in your lineups? And do you have a, do you have an opinion on that simple heuristic? Yeah. I mean, I think you would also want to take into consideration how much you think they're going to be owned. Like, let's just say you think Doncic is 50 and he's, but you, you sense that he might be owned at some frequency higher than 50, you know, 60% or something um, does seem like there'd be added value to be under um, if you think that the field is particularly like overweight on Doncic. Um, to me, at least seems like just a good opportunity to get leverage against what you think uh, other people are making uh, as as kind of weak weak plays are playing at a frequency that is higher than than what is feasible or realistic. But yeah, I mean, and yeah, in general, I think like that is uh, you know an excellent heuristic, and I think conversely, like a good heuristic for understanding kind of players that you think might be over or under owned is simply you know do you think ownership will be above their likelihood of being within you know that top three. Um, the other sort of strange thing I've noticed with Superdraft is that. Um, obviously at ASA, we focused on, on distributions from inception. Like we, we think in terms of player distributions and player correlations, but because FanDuel and DraftKings have been so popular, we've always looked at it in terms of upside. We've always been looking at distributions because we're chasing upside. Um, but on Superdraft, what I've noticed is that downside is exceptionally important. Because, um, well, I've been playing a fair number of, of smaller contests and the, uh, the guys that are volatile on the downside where they, they have a decent probability of throwing out a complete dud. I've never had to concern myself with those players before because I, I like to play tournaments on the, on the main sites. And um, on Superdraft, you have to be especially cognizant about playing those players that will occasionally throw a dud. Yeah. And I mean, you know, with the salaried format, if you typically the guys with kind of the most downside are naturally the ones that are going to be priced lowest. So the cost of realizing a dud from some low price player is I think minimized in that, you know, you can still make up for it by, um, 
reaching or exceeding value with kind of more of your salary dollars with more of your high um, high salary guys. But on super draft, because there you know is no salary, like each essentially each person, each uh, you know player is worth one unit, you know one one roster spot. So the cost of a miss on you know super high multiply like i think norman powell was a guy that we had projected favorably last night was a big miss um that was costly in that it was you know a seventh of the lineup that failed massively unsalaried format where norman powell would probably be less than a seventh of your salary allocation uh you know eating misses on lower i mean he'd be less than a seventh because i guess there are more more lineup spots, but you know, he'd be less than one over the number of roster spots, like eating a miss on a low salary player is less costly um, because that player is low salary, right? Like I, you know, I think of misses as, you know, how much, how much salary did you allocate towards that player uh, and how much value did you miss out on per salary dollar, you know, here on super draft, it's, you know, not, a, not a, you know, unrealized value per salary dollar. It's just unrealized value per salary slot as uh, per roster slot. And, you know, it's just everyone's equal. Um, so I do think something to keep in mind, you know, uh, having, having a miss on kind of a high multiplier player can be, I think more costly than having a miss on like a low salary player in, in the salaried formats. Yeah, I like it. I like it. And um, one, uh, one last point before we, we take off. Um, you do have this Island game at 10 o'clock with the Washington and LA. And uh, a lot of times you, you do know where you stand on that. So it's worth noting that you have some great plays in that late game. You have basically um, on LA LeBron Kuzma and Harrell all at the forward position. And then at the guard position, you have Westbrook and Beal. So Basically, you have six combos, and it's clear which one is the best one. It's Westbrook LeBron. Um, but basically, you can do your tournaments in such a way where if if you do run an optimizer, then just take your take your very best lineups and have them with LeBron and Westbrook at the end, and then and then uh rank the pairings one through six. Um, and then just sort of go down the list, your second best lineup, make it uh kuzma westbrook or whatever you you have as the second one and it's good tournament strategy to make those micro adjustments at the end got it um well yeah definitely something to keep in mind um yeah certainly if you're playing kind of small volume of lineups i, I tend to focus on kind of large like mme uh style and i i find it's kind of difficult to manage uh you know some of that that editing towards the end uh, when you have like lots of lineups to manage, but um, yeah, definitely something to keep in mind for, for cash contests, um, depending on how you start out or kind of small, uh, small field, small volume uh, lineup management. For sure. Well, thanks everyone. We'll be back on Wednesday.